Oh, we are live. Okay, cool. Hello, everybody out there in the interweb world. This is the newest episode of the Infinite Spaghetti. All the spaghetti you could possibly eat forever. All right, so today's episode, we have Jamal Collins. He is a designer, an educator. I got to play the intro. This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker. Part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network. Hello, sir. Hey, what's going on? So my name is Jamal Collins. I go by Jay Working. I'm a designer, educator, father, mentor. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, originally East Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm a designer by trade. And I teach, I started an after-school program teaching kids. And it grew from one location to seven to teaching almost 100 kids a month the last past six years. And it just kind of evolved from teaching kids to teaching college students and teaching adults as well. So I teach graphic design. I teach photography, video, marketing, social media, creating content. I give keynote talks about giving back, using design as a weapon to change kids' mindsets and giving the winning mindset. In turn, that helps the community, that helps the kids and getting them to think as designers and getting them to think about all the you know, creative things that we can do right now. All the possibilities is limitless and kind of thinking of not just creating content or collateral for just like a poster or flyer, but using that to change policy and change the way we do things by being a designer, being a front end and thinking of innovative ways to basically change the world as a designer. I think a designer is the most deadly person because he can create content. He can do videos. He can do photography. He can create T-shirts. The T-shirts can, a simple words can change and, and impact people's lives. Doing murals like sky's the limit from teaching to, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, I guess I'm curious, like, did you start with one of those things that then? I'll say underneath the umbrella of design, right? I started, I'm 51, by, by the way. So I started doing designs in 91 and underneath designs, we had paintings so we can understand color, photography, right? So doing product shots, being able to shoot photography, being able to develop that film, understanding how to use the camera, getting into technical like typography, getting into layout, um, getting into designing a resume, pre preparing your portfolio to get a job. So I think like being a designer, you never know what your job is going to be. I got a job in corporate. I was working for an accounting firm called PricewaterhouseCoopers, responsible for all the collateral. So that was brochures, business cards, logos, you name it. You got to be able to draw, draw out your concepts, draw, draw out your ideas from concept to completion, right? So you never know what's going to lead you. You can specialize in just doing illustrations, just doing lettering or you can just be doing a little bit of everything. What design taught me is that in 95, I saw that my work was not as good as everybody else. And I saw that the guys who was really crushing it back then had computers. This was way back in 95. So for me to catch up and compete with them, I had to buy a computer. When I did that, it always put me ahead of the curve on technology and how technology was moving, right? They was just introducing multimedia. That was the term back in the day, video, interacting with the, not just looking at something, but really interacting with it. So as technology moved along and as I've gotten heavy into the field, I'm looking at coding, 
So understanding how to set up a web page because now you got to have a web presence or they got something called Flash. Now I need to animate. So I was always in love with learning this stuff. So this is just another feather in my hat. Or I can animate or I can do coding or I can do, you know, I could do photography for you. I could do video. So you got some guys that just do photography. Some guys that just do video. Right. And then you got a guy like a designer like me kind of sneaking in there and stealing some of the work. Right. Like, hey, you're just supposed to be doing designs. How are you doing photography, too? So that's what I was talking about how you could be a threat by being a designer because you could do all this stuff. I was going to bring up the animation thing because, I mean, I do a lot of my own animation and I feel like here's something that's missing. You have to learn it. You go figure out how to do it. And especially now, I mean, if you're talking about the 90s, that's like a much harder thing to get information where today you would just go on YouTube and go how to, you're doing flash animation or... Got offered a job and I was scared to take it. Right, because I didn't know nothing about websites. And this was like 98, 99, maybe. Make a long story short, we kind of was looking and seeing like, you know, Macromedia was the thing before Macromedia merged with Adobe. So Macromedia had Director, Micromedia had Flash too. So Flash was like an animated thing where you could have a loading bar, you could have music in the background. You could really have all of this stuff instead of like a static web page, right? So Dreamweaver was a beautiful app too because you could it was WYSIWYG right what you see is what you get so you didn't really need to know too much HTML and CSS to really lay something out in the front and to see I mean when you're a designer and when you're creating something for the first time it's almost like when you're looking at a coloring book and coloring for the first time like oh this look nice I need another coloring book what's the same stage as learning Photoshop first like oh this is amazing let me do some more to say, I need to see this on the web page. Like everybody else got one. So it's like kind of addictive to keep building. So all oh, they got this new thing called flash. I got to have a loading bar with the percentages going up. I think when people are watching this, especially younger crowd, it's like, they think like, oh, website is just like click and drag. That's not like in the nineties, it was like a whole mess of like insanity. Like if you wanted a website, you had to really like know someone who knew, was a, I guess, website developer, go from scratch and like learn and you were definitely going to screw it up. So that seems like, yeah, if you were learning that stuff at that point. But also, I mean, what do you think of this concept of fake it till you make it? I think that was cool back in the day. You could fake it till you made it. But now with social media, you got to be who you say you are. I think once you get used to putting yourself in uncomfortable situations on learning something, that's how you learn. I got to learn where I got WordPress. I need a website. I need to figure out how to do WordPress. Like a mindset, like I believe that I'm successful in everything that I do. I'm going to accomplish it. And then I'm going to take this job based off the faith that I know that I can get this done. I'm the man for you. A lot of your advantage might be in the research that you do prior. So like if it's a job interview and you fully research who it is, not just the company, but as much as you can about the person, gives you like a tactical advantage you know you trying to do like a, a film or an art project or whatever it is the more research you do for whoever it is the gatekeeper that you're trying to get past the knowledge you have prior gives you a better ability to possibly succeed because you've done the research like what do you think on like that thing i don't even know why i'm bringing this up like i want to hear how you're teaching one of the things is like I use what I do as a case study and I change it every day. I feel like the whole thing of like I've been teaching for six years. I feel like I give people so much knowledge and they're not taking action. They're not really 
it's not enough. You need the knowledge part, right? But it's a balance. You need the knowledge part, but you need to be active on it too. So it's almost like I could look at a thousand videos, but if I'm not really clicking and participating on it, then I'm just kind of taking in information and it's not enough, if, if that makes sense. So some people be full of knowledge and because they don't have any activity behind what they're doing, they lose it or they don't, still don't know how to do it. So this is an audio cast too. So if you were following along on the video, you would see we are at Jay Working. That's his Instagram page. And on his Instagram page, it's designer, educator, mentor, make kids smart, creatives. I just want to scroll down a little bit to show a few of the design stuffs. That's a quick little screen capture. I added a little voiceover from a clip of a podcast I was on, right? This is all about just creating content and sharing what you could do. Well, he's teaching kids, what can he do it, right? This is the problem with faking it till you're making it with latest technology, right? So mm -hmm. I got some people that might look at a couple of videos of NFTs, but never sold none. And now they run an NFT classes. The entry level to getting into something is so easy, but do they really have the worth it factor behind what they're doing? One guy really earned his worth it factor. So that's kind of me showing this work, letting you know that I can really do this. And I've really been doing this. NFT, that's the, I know that's the digital artwork. That's like a chain block. Just for the people who are listening out there as an audio cast, that's kind of like the new darling of the contemporary art world that like Sotheby's just had an auction where they sold one for, I think like $700,000. It's basically like a, a digital piece of artwork. And I know that sounds very much like you're probably visualizing like a JPEG, but it's not like just a JPEG. It's like, it can be very complex. It can be video, it, you know, but it's like a one, one and done. Like, I mean, you can transfer it, but only one person can own it at a time. It's digital currency. It's, it's, it's value in that right now. Like, even if you think about it on the level of kids playing games, Right. You're playing Minecraft. You can get different skins. You can get different weapons. You got pay for them. I saw something where you can randomize characters. So let's just say I got a character. He has hat, hoodie, jeans and tennis shoes. Right. I could design a whole bunch of different hats, hoodies, different colors, different shoes. And you can randomize the, like a computer generated, randomized different characters like as a designer, social media, all of this content coming in at me like I'm trying to not really try to jump at every single thing that pop up i will look into it though definitely definitely because you know it's something that the students will will be doing eventually right so i need to learn it there's no way around it as creators we're gonna have to have nfts and learn how to do it and have our stuff on blockchain that's where it's going so i got a mix of two things on my youtube channel i have some vlogging lectures i have some couple tutorials and this is speed art right here so I'm doing something called Exposure Weeks. And Exposure Week is me just going into different schools, different after-school programs and talking about the design and talking about my program and getting the kids interested. And I found that when I open up my laptop and show this, I get their attention real quick because I can show you exactly how a designer does something. And it really opens them up on really a lot of stuff that they've been overlooking, right? So we just pick up our phone and look at videos about tennis shoes t-shirts and don't really know how that's made to actually go in and see how a designer does something how we create something and make it look easy it's like oh i could create my own stuff 
So I kind of tell them and preach that to them as well. Like, look, you're wearing all this Nike and Adidas stuff. Once you wear it, design your own stuff and control your own content. Once you make your own YouTube channel or, you know, whatever, sky's the limit. It's just really opening their minds up. I kind of do a little quick challenge for myself, right? I'll give myself a couple, some clouds, some land, maybe. I'm using popular people in, in the music industry or movies and things like that. I'm adding some cool music to it. And I'm kind of doing this exercise where I'll give myself an hour limit, really get into a flow state and see what I can come up with within an hour. One of the things with technology, it moves so fast. Once I graduated in 97, right, you, you, you would think like once you get your degree, like you don't have to, you know, learn anything. You just go go to work. But stuff moves around so fast. So, so I got to keep my sword sharp by doing these exercises. These is creative building exercises too, right? So for the people who are listening to this as an audio cast, this is, again, just mirroring his Instagram page, Jay Working is the youtube it's all one word j-a-y-w-o-r-k-i-n-g so my first name is jay it's kind of like a play off my name right so my first name is jamal so it's like the j and i'm always working so it's like a play off of my name if you go to his page please subscribe please like please forward to people you think would be interested i look at the videos as your like your bullet points on the resume right you can see me in class you can see my lectures, you can see my keynotes, you can see me on podcasts. You can kind of get a feel for who I am and what I represent and what I'm about before you even see me in the office. You kind of see me. I'm not a teacher by trade. I'm a, I'm a designer, right? And I'm getting teaching gigs because of my YouTube. The very beginning of how this, how you got led into all this. So growing up in the 80s, I was heavily influenced by hip hop culture. You know, let's just say 84 and 85, I was 14, 15. This was like the beginning of hip hop. And, you know, I fell in love with LL Cool J, Run DMC, Public Enemy, Karis One. And the culture of being a teenager back then, we was breakdancing. That was new. We was DJing, we was rapping, and we was doing graffiti. And I was always like, had a passion for drawing. What's cool about it is that I took art one and art two in high school, and they had a trade, trade program called Commercial Arts where they were doing. At the time, they was doing airbrushing, painting on acrylics, just doing all kind of stuff. But you had to have good grades to go in there. So I never got a chance to get in there. Somebody from commercial art should have scouted me out and made sure that I got in there and found out who was the cool kids or interested in one and art one and art two. It could have sped me up because I was getting into a lot of trouble in high school. Cool thing is I visited Ohio University because I was kind of getting into a lot of trouble. I wasn't doing any extracurriculum activities because I would have been doing it in commercial arts. One of the things is, is that a buddy of mine had went to college. I go down to visit, I fall in love with the campus. I come back, I get my act together. I go to Akron U and at Akron U I took graphic design. As soon as I step on campus, they like, hey, we got the internet, this is brand new and we got the first Photoshop, we had freehand, Corel Draw, all of this stuff. Dove right into that, being a creative, and it heavily still influenced by hip hop culture. But we got something called like Source magazines, and we could see graffiti more. We could see getting into the design part, but I could see my work getting better as an illustrator too. The economy tank at the same time, I lose my job and I'm out of work. Cool thing is that I got 10 years of experience, I got my degree as a designer, I should be good. Unfortunately, I wasn't. I kind of jumped from job to job to job. I really couldn't find nothing, and I found myself unemployed for five years. 
I'm getting unemployment. I'm getting little gigs here and there, but I'm not as popular as I was. I don't know nothing about licensing work. I don't know how to really retain customers. I don't know nothing about this. Social media is not even there yet. We just kind of had an internet, but a lot of the resources just wasn't there yet. I volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club. Second day, they stole my car. Every time I tell that story, somebody always say I would have quit. I thought about quitting, but you got to keep in mind that I, this is before the graphic design program. This is before Jay work, and this is before all of that. So I stuck in there, no car. You know, I'm dealing with gangs. I'm dealing with drugs. I'm dealing with fights. I'm dealing with all of this stuff. And on top of that, I'm not a teacher by trade. So you got to really think about this position I'm in. I've been out of work. I'm taking a pay cut. This is like not really the route that I should be going as a senior designer. Cause the last time I was working, I was making top dollar as a senior designer. Right. So I'm taking a huge pay cut. Plus I'm dealing in a very rough, bad area situation. So I saw some consultants coming in doing specialized work. I was only working as a, I was working as an art instructor. So that's just doing starry night painting, making clay bowls, just the simple basic stuff. Right. So, I saw some people coming in doing specialized work. And I also saw some IMAX at one of the locations. I'm at the Boys and Girls Club at this point. I presented the idea to my art director at the time. Like, look, let me do some specialized work. I got, I see some IMAX. Let's get some creative cloud. Let me teach some Photoshop. And they went for the idea. Probably I worked there for like a year. I resigned. I came back as a consultant and I started at one location and it grew to seven. And I had like 27 IMAX at all of these different locations. And I have, I'm averaging like 100 kids a month. So I've been doing that for the last past five years. So you could do the math on how many kids and I'm talking to. So one of the things was, was that I had a little GoPro camera at the time. And I just was recording my classes just so I could see my teaching style. But I noticed that... I was kind of showing a connection and showing some of the stuff that I was teaching. So one of the crazy things that I'm doing is I'm teaching kids as young as nine years old, industry standard practices. So that's college courses. So this is almost like, you know, how LeBron jumped over college and went straight to the pros. This is what I'm doing for the kids. Some people don't see Photoshop and learn graphic design until you on a college campus and you're 20 years old. So I'm getting in there and teaching these kids this practice now. It says smart creatives. Well, smart creatives is just term that's coined from Eric Smith. Eric Smith and how Google works talked about the Googlers and the guys that's on Google team, things that they could do in the attributes. And one of them is a smart creative. So that's having deep technical knowledge. That's really understanding business. That's having creative flair about yourself and a hands-on approach to getting stuff done. When I read that, I was like, this is what I need to do with my kids. I need to make them little Googlers, make them smart creators. So the deep technical knowledge part is understanding this software and how to use it. All of it from Premiere, from video editing, using cameras, understanding exposure, understanding shutter speed, understanding analytics, understanding all of this stuff. The business part is like if you do, how do you price your stuff? How do you email your clients? How do you work with business? Because people see me like Jay working. I want these kids and they'll have no way to understand how to communicate with what they need to have for this client. Or I need to have an invoice. Or I need to have just the business part. The creative flair is creativity. It's imagination. It's being able to see me in a certain space, see me in a certain light. Not just creative, like creating something, but creatively thinking about 
seeing myself as a successful person in this space and being able to do that. And a hands-on approach to getting stuff done, that's the obvious. Not just soaking up information, but actually doing something, actually creating something, creating a YouTube channel and see what it's going to do. Right? I don't see any Black representation of me in pre in the creative field. Absolutely not. That's kind of across all creative fields, though, to be honest, like film, galleries, gallery owners, artists. For upper management to really understand me, right? And it's hard for me to get some advice at the time. So I'm struggling in this space and questioning, do I even belong here? Do I know what I'm doing? At the same time, when they're not looking, I'm studying code. So I'm more invested in myself than I am with the company. Plus, I got a bad attitude. Well, why do you say you had a bad attitude? Bad attitude stemmed from probably my, my early years of education. I flunked the second grade. So me flunking the second grade left me alienated. It left me humiliated. It kind of put me in a social class. It put me in the box. It put me behind. I'm behind a year already starting the second grade. Now, when you jump forward and you're talking about the boys club and then there's gangs and fights and all of that, you find that it's a lot of people who have anger issues that are not vented properly and it puts them in bad positions. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because I don't want to like assume. 100%, right? The earlier you get it, the earlier you get to them, the better off they are. You, you got lower test scores because you can't read. So it's a level of illiteracy, right? It's a lot of a lot of mental issues that go along with, with all of this stuff. You got to get the environment right. You get the environment right, right. You get the behavior right. You know, growing up in Washington, D.C. in the 80s, surrounded with violence and to the extreme, when you kind of looked at the people who were incarcerated in the, in the prison sy system that personal friends of mine, I would see this trend of the educational system told you you were insufficient because you couldn't accomplish the grades. And then because of that, you were told you were stupid by the community. And then that led you to be more violent. And then you're in the prison system. But then these same guys were like extremely talented amazing illustrators, like great storytellers, brilliant minds, but because they don't fit within the system of like reading, writing, and math, outcast. My backstory is like, you know, I'm, I'm clearly like a white guy from privilege in a nice neighborhood in DC. Lucky enough that I had parents who could identify that I'm dyslexic, get me into the right school systems. There was more of an emphasis on learning disabilities and catching it early and trying to make it accessible to everybody you see these things where it's like we got to stop like drugs we got to stop guns we got to put everyone in jail where it's like if you just did the reverse of like giving somebody the proper education and learning that everybody learns in a different way that you would undercut all of the need for prisons all of that other stuff no you're absolutely correct that's why my teaching style and what i do is so Effective is because I'm not underneath the board of education. I'm kind of coming in the lens of a designer, disruptor, an innovator uh, to, to come in and, and realize what these needs are. So I kind of talk about all this stuff with the kids. So it's not just the Photoshop is one part of it, but the mindfulness. So it's really about your know, self-esteem. You know, a lot of them do have a lot of stuff, have iPhones and have all kind. They're not asking for the right stuff, the system and how it is, right? Don't be a consumer, right? So you can just be a producer. Don't be a consumer. 
create your own stuff and turn people into consumers on your content, on what you're doing. If I can make it out and do it, everybody else can. It's all about hard work. It's all about dedication. It's all about building a team, right? I'm part of the team. You part of my team now, right? So we like the mastermind groups because we the old old ball guys now. So, you know, we, we part of that mastermind group and come in and we'll guide you and help you along the way. It's all about like networking. And that, that was one of the problems. Like I really wasn't good with networking. Creative Kids, it's a little updated. I need to update it, but you can go to the Creative Kids part, scroll down. Okay. So a lot of the things in here is some of the field trips. I was taking kids to design conferences. I'm taking kids on, you know, field trips to, I took them to the Cavs. I took them to the Brown Stadium just to meet designers that work for the Cavs, other media companies. We Just exposing them to possibilities for you if you're coming up in the ranks as, as a designer. And for the people who are listening to this as a podcast, this is jworking.com. So across the spectrum, if you're just searching jworking as a one solid thing, you will get Instagram youtube and the dot com and that's j with a j a y working all one word yeah you know so i feel like these kids are going to be the ones that i'll definitely be trying to get work from at some point because if they're starting at this age if i was starting at that age i would be really advanced at what i i do now other little small like nonprofits kind of bring me in to do workshops right so I went from doing Photoshop to specialized work to teaching Canva and teaching Adobe Spark during the day in computer labs. Doing that, that was able to have me teach way more kids. And that brings the budget down. We don't need the creative cloud to go over design thinking practices. They know me, they know Jay working, right? So they want to talk about YouTube channels and get into all of that stuff. One of the things that I noticed that was missing in my art school was really marketing, right? And understanding sales. I think to be getting into this space, especially as a entrepreneur, entrepreneurship tendencies of being a designer, you really need to understand how to market this stuff. That may be leading to some vlogs. So you can actually see what I'm teaching, how I'm teaching it. I may have a camera in front of the chalkboard and going over some concepts. One of the things that I was, I would take a, a book and decode and then kind of give them some of the principles from Grant Gordon, 10 and to Gary V, left, left, right, you know, left, left, right, jab, jab, right hook. I would sprinkle in some of these concepts and thought practices on how they should really be, you know, crush it. So crush their life. I actually have everything set up. I got my bylaws. I got my articles. I got everything. You know, the last step I need to do is pay for, I got the LLC, right? It's called Next Creative. Like an apprenticeship, internship program versus the, the Creative Kids, the LLC is like an introduction. And that's just the other part of it. All I need to do is just pay the last little part, the feds, the 500 bucks. So that's the last piece I need to do. Come on, man. Put up a um, GoFundMe. I'll throw in 20 bucks for that. You probably get that easy. So if you want to donate to my cause, helping me start my nonprofit and send me a couple of dollars, you can at Cash App, Cash App, dollar sign at Jworking. That's my handle. You could also send me an email. Um, if you go to my website, jworking.com, up at the top, you can see my email address and you can send me donations through PayPal too. If you got any questions, you can send me an email about that as well. So thank you. <laughs> so the motivational endpoint is this is all about giving back. Once I looked at stop looking at it as what 
what can my career and what the things I do can do for me. And I unselfishly started doing it for other people is when my life changed. And I feel like the role of a designer is more of a role of a person who really gives back and really I want people to look into their community right now and see what type of programs they have. Go back to your old elementary school, go back to your old high school and see what type of programs they got. They may need some help or they might you might see something that you could add some program to to it. If not, you could call me and I'll fly out to go check out and see what they have too, right? So I tell a story about an acre full of diamonds. And basically to, to shorten the story up is diamonds have a rough state, so they don't look like diamonds when you look at them. So a guy had an acre full of diamonds and he kind of overlooked them because he didn't research the land that he had. I kind of look at that as, you know, it's a lot of stuff that we have in, in front of us that we might not know is as valuable as it is. And I think like the community, if we want a lot of, to change a lot of this despair, change a lot of the stuff that's going on that we talked about in this past episode, is that don't overlook these diamonds and go and see what the kids are doing, what the youth are doing. Even tap into your university and see what programs they got and just be a resource for everybody and just give back. That's all I can say. I used to do a group called the Antagonist Movement, which was like the Antagonist Art Movement which was the concept making venues as laboratories. So in New York, everything that you show art or a music, musician, anything usually comes with somebody having to make money off of it. So I would go to all these venues like coffee shops, bars, whatever, and say, let me show some art. Let me have somebody do a spoken word. Let me have a band play. You can make money on the drinks, but none of the musicians or artists or anything will pay any fees. So I like that. But I also feel like it's okay if what you're doing benefits the community and at the same time yourself. Like I, I wish there was more things like that where it's like, and I always say this in my things, like this whole art group that I set up, it helped me like publish books. It helped me put out films. It got me work connections. It, it brought me so many things. And I have people all the time being like, oh, thank you for what you did for building these communities around the world and whatever. And I go like, there's no need to thank me because believe me, it, it absolutely benefited me. So I always want to like think that there's ways to develop things that can help the individual and help the community at the same time. And, and everything, everybody can be selfish and exploited and do well together. So what I'm saying is I hope that it just, it helps you as well. Cause it seems like you're helping a lot of other people. Absolutely. I'm trying to help more. So that, that's my goal is to reach more, to, to further my footprint. Well, hopefully somebody will watch this infinite spaghetti and it'll spread. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.